0: Amen. That song is repetitive. The reason is because I don't know if in the English language we have the right words to express the Lord and how, well, awesome He is. That's right. And so we say He's awesome. Amen. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of great things in life. God is awesome and we're so thankful that that awesome God we sing about and sing to is faithful. That's why he's awesome because he's faithful and he can do anything. He can move mountains and hills when we're broken. By his stripes we are healed and, uh, and we'll praise his holy name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to the book of Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 3. Yes, it is a book of the Bible. Lamentations chapter 3, uh, page 744, if you you have a uh, copy. If you don't know where Lamentations is, it's fine. Go to the front, it's an index, and tell you where it is, page number. It gives you an order, or alphabetical order, any way you want to look at it. Uh, Lamentations chapter 3. In the book of Lamentations, it's often called A series of funeral poems. That'll bless your heart, won't it? We're going to be preaching and looking in a book, uh, the book of Lamentations, which is, most people would call us a funeral of poems. uh, And, a funeral of poems, that'll make sense. Funeral poems. And I know you're so excited now to go through the book of Lamentations uh, in chapter 3, where we'll be in, but it is marking the fall and destruction of Jerusalem. And the temple at the hands of the Babylonians. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah wrote uh, Limitations, and he is witnessing one of the most destructive things he's ever had to witness, God's people. And God's city, Jerusalem, is being destroyed at the hands of the Babylonians, the people, and also the temple that God has built is being destroyed at the hands of the Babylonians.
1: And so he is writing
0: this book of lamentations, He is lamenting, is where we get the word from. He's lamenting. And uh, someone once asked why his lamentations only have five chapters. Well, God was done lamenting, I suppose. Uh, he had said all he wanted to say, and he was done lamenting. Now, if you wrote a book of lamentations, it'd probably a 100 chapters uh, with uh, more different volumes. And, and that be a bestseller, I'm sure. But God was done in five chapters. Uh, The book of Lamentations, there's no book in the Bible that reveals the suffering heart of God over sin as the book of Lamentations. No book in the Bible. You you can see the heart of God. You can see the suffering heart of God over sin throughout Scripture. But there is no one book of the Bible that reveals the suffering heart of God over sin than the book of Lamentations. Jeremiah witnessing the fall of Jerusalem. His heart being shattered and broken as he witnessed Jerusalem, his people, and the temple destroyed, the people being slain and prisoners taken off to captivity in Babylon. And all through the book of Lamentations, chapter 1 through 5, you see and hear prophet Jeremiah's tears throughout the book. I just know when you leave here today, you're going to go read the rest of Lamentations. I can just tell it. I feel it. You're going to go do that. And you're going to see and hear and really feel the heart of God through the prophet Jeremiah and his heart uh, and aching over sin. And so uh, as you read chapter 1 and chapter 2, you hear some amazing things like he pierced my kidneys with shafts from his quiver. I am a stock; My people grounded my teeth with gravel and made me cower in the dust. This is just an extraordinary book in the scriptures. And it is God's uh, suffering heart over sin. And you know God suffers over your sin. He hurts the heart of God, the spirit of God when we sin. And then you get to chapter 3 and something happens. All the lamenting, all the sorrow, all the witnessing of destruction and then in chapter 3, right in the middle of chapter 3, something happens. There's a turning point in the prophet Jeremiah's voice. This It happens right here in chapter 3. In the midst of his sorrows, in the midst of his tears for himself, in the midst of sorrows and tears for his people, for Jerusalem and the temple, he lifted his eyes to the Lord. He took his eyes off of the situation and he lifted his eyes to the Lord. It became a turning point for him and he began to remember some things about God. He began to remember some wonderful attributes of the Lord that His mercies are new every morning. Every morning we are refreshed with God's mercies. Warren Wiersbe says, The faithfulness of God is a tremendous encouragement in days when people's hearts are failing them for fear. There is nothing more encouraging than... For you and for me, than the faithfulness of God. Amen? Then the faithfulness of God. There is one steady in my life, and that is the Lord. Because He's awesome. He can move mountains, He can do anything. He says the faithfulness of God is tremendous encouragement. In days when people's hearts are failing them for fear. That's where Jeremiah was. His heart was failing him in fear. What would happen? As the Babylonians come in, destroy Jerusalem, destroy the temple, his people being carried away, slain prisoners. You can understand Jeremiah going, what in the world is happening? What is going on? And In the midst of fear failing him, coming over his heart, he took his eyes off of the situation, put them on the Lord, and the faithfulness of God became encouragement for him. And so I want to read with you Lamentations chapter 3. We're going to read verses 22 through 26. If you stand with me, read God's word together. Honor the Lord. If you stand and sing, we stand. When we read the scriptures together, honoring the Lord, those that are able to, God's living word, holy word, infallible. Listen to what Lamentations 3 verses 22 through 26 says. He says, because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. May the church say amen. amen. cause of the faithful love, the Lord's faithful love. Remember, for two chapters, two chapters, he has poured his heart out over all of these things, lamenting over his people, the destruction that's around him. They were losing the battle. And then in this verse, but because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. In the eyes of the world, they were perishing. In the eyes of the unbeliever, they were perishing. They were being defeated, taken over to captivity. Their temple, the the symbol of their faith had been destroyed. They were perishing, but not to Jeremiah. Because, see, when you live amongst the world, yes, you are perishing. But when God's in your life and you focus on Him, God does not perish. Therefore, I do not perish. And so he fixed his eyes on the Lord because of the Lord's faithful love. We do not perish. Why? For His mercies never end. They never end. Everything in this life will end except for the love and the mercies of God. Amen. Amen? They never end. He says they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. A worship service in a moment. Great is your faithfulness. I say the Lord is my portion of Therefore, I will put my hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. Right in the middle of this turmoil destruction all around him. Him being discouraged and the weightiness of his people, the weightiness of the city of Jerusalem, the temple being destroyed, right in the middle of it. And he turns and looks to the Lord and it changes him. You know why? Because that's what happens. When you look to God, it changes you. Peace comes over your life and you, you're able to say, Lord, I know all this is happening. But great is thy faithfulness. To the unbelieving world, they would say, how has God being faithful to you? Look at you. Your people are gone. Your city is gone. Destroyed. Your temple, the, the, the epicenter of your faith is gone. How can you say God's been grateful to you? I think the prophet Jeremiah says because I don't worship the Lord for things seen, I praise him for things unseen. It's not the things that I see or don't see. It's the things that are unseen that God provides. He says, great is thy faithfulness. And he says, it's good to wait. You can understand Jeremiah wondering what's going to happen to the Lord. It's good to wait. And we live in a society now we don't like the wait, do we? You like the wait? Who in your like the wait? No, you don't. You don't like the wait? It's hard to wait. Lord, we love Chick-fil-A uh, so much. They're really good at not making you late. I believe Chick-fil-A ought to run our government and a car ride line. Amen. I think, think they can do a good job. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you because of your faithfulness, not because of anything else, but, but because you are faithful. God, I pray that in the midst of life, we are able to look up to you and say, thank you, Lord, for your faithful love for Lord, it is true. It is evident. And I'm thankful. For great is not faithfulness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. I want to share with you three observations from this passage. Now listen to me. They're really good observations. Especially the first one. And that was this. As bad as things may get, they would be worse if not for the recurring mercies of God ever.
1: Listen, as bad as
0: things may get for you, and, and let, me, let me change it a little bit. As bad as things may be for you right now, as a believer, as a follower of Christ, they would be far worse without the mercies that are due everyone. That's right. They would be far worse. So we get up every morning and say, Lord, thank you. Drink, in thy faithful, sinful. The prophet John Jeremiah notices this in verses 22 and 23. He says, "But because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. Everything is perishing around us, but not us. We do not perish because the Lord is faithful. His love is faithful, and for His mercies they never end." Verse 22. They, or excuse me, 23. They are new every morning. Just in case you don't understand. His mercies never end. Just in case you don't get that, He reminds us again, they are new every morning. Just in case you don't don't get that never ending means they're always there,
1: let me remind
0: you, they are new every morning. And in the midst of this reminder, because this is how God works, in the midst of you being reminded who God is and His faithfulness, a worship moment happened where I believe He stepped back and said, Oh, great! Is thy faithfulness, O oh Lord. You need that in your life. You need those moments. And I don't know about you, I need them all the time. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Because his compassions fail not. His compassions fail not. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. You know what that means? That means at night when you lay your head down, if it were not for the mercies of God, he would kill you in your sleep. Why? Because that's what you deserve. Why? Because the wages of sin is what? It's death. Wages of sin is death. He ought to kill us in our sleep. But no. We wake up the next morning. Why? Because the mercies are due every morning. You know what mercy is? Mercy is not getting something you do deserve. It's not getting something you deserve. You deserve death. You deserve your man. We deserve destruction because of sin. We deserve all this because of our sin. But his mercies are due every morning. If it were not for the mercies, we would be consumed. Why? Because his compassions fail no, if it were not for God's mercies, not getting something we do deserve. Listen, you and I, we would perish. We would perish. If it were not for the mercies of God, you would perish. I would perish. We have failed him. Listen, but he cannot fail us. Amen? Amen. Amen. We have failed him time and time and time and time again, but he cannot, he will not Fail us. His compassions they fail not. That's what we live by. It's what wakes us up in the Lord with joy in our heart. So Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4: we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, we're perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned, we are struck down, down but not destroyed. Meaning, nothing. everything can happen in my life, but I will not perish because God's faithful. The Lord is faithful given the description that we are fragile jars of clay, Paul this in 2 Corinthians, that with every crack under pressure, we are not destroyed because the mercies of God fill in our sorrows at night. You and I are nothing but clay pots. The pressures of life, the diagnoses of life, the job losses, the relationships lost, the destructions, the deceiving all around us, Pressing in on us is nothing but cracking us. We are leaking out joy and excitement, love and life. But when we lay down our head at night, the mercies are new. The mercies come, fill in those cracks to where we are fresh and new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, Jeremiah says. There is pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. But joy comes in the morning. As bad as things may get, Listen, they would be far worse if they were not from the recurring mercies of God every morning. Every morning. Observation number two. Look away from yourself and look to God. Look away from yourself and look to God. You see in verse 24, Jeremiah says, I say the Lord is my portion. Therefore, because the Lord is my portion. I will put my hope in him. How is he able to put his hope in the Lord? Because the Lord fills and it is all he needs. It's his desires, wants, likes, all loves, all of that. There is longing in his heart. God feels that longing. He is the portion. We're Baptist, we understand food, right? You're hungry right now. Me too. <laughs> You understand when well, they put, you know, you're just hungry, and they, you get that portion, you know, when you fill your plate up with your eyes. You know what I'm talking about. Just fill it up with your eyes and whatever. You're like, wow, all that's going to go in somehow. We're it, And that, that is a portion that fills you. I hate to, you know, equate God with food. I'm trying to do that. It's a flawed illustration. I get that. But we understand the idea of a portion. That is a portion. But what's different about the Lord is that portion will not suffice forever. Because in about three or four hours, an hour or whatever, if you're a 10-inch boy, that portion's not good enough for you anymore. Then what do you got to do? You got to have more. You got to have more. What Jeremiah says is, Lord, you're my portion. I have no need for any other. And because of that, I will put my hope in you. You know what Jeremiah's doing? He's taking his eyes off him. And he's putting his eyes on the Lord. That, Lord, you're my portion. This right here, this is failing, but you fail not. So I put my eyes on you. A constant discipline in our lives is that we should continuously look away from ourselves and look to God. A pastor friend of mine, Matt Alexander, said this just the other week. He said, The devil would not have you to look to God. The devil would not even have you to look to him. The devil would have you to look to you. He don't want you looking at God, he don't even want you looking at him. He wants you to look at you, to put all your attention on you, all of your attractions on you. He doesn't want you to look at God or himself. He wants you to focus on you. He wants you to focus on your problems, your issues, your concerns, your faults, and your sins. That's what the devil would have you to do. But what Jeremiah is doing is taking his eyes off of him and putting them on the Lord. You know what happened? He was able to say, brain is like faithfulness. Your mercies are new every morning. I say, look to God. Look to him. Look to the Lord this morning. Fix your eyes on Him, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we also have such a loud, large cloud of witnesses, sometimes kind of, some kind of loud, large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily it us. Meaning, stop looking at your sins and faults. Stop looking at the hindrances around you that so easily it you. But let us run with endurance the race of life before us. How? By keeping our eyes on the Lord Jesus. Keeping our eyes on him, not on yourself, not even on your race, but looking at him. Why should we do that? Because he is the source and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross. This is why he's worthy. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, when Jeremiah did that, it became a turning point in his life. Destruction all around them, turmoil all around them, tears, sorrow all around them. reminds us of today, doesn't it? Injustices all around us, tears all around us, uh, all kinds of things happening in our world today. Jeremiah experienced that on another level. And yet he was able to take his eyes off of him and his issues and put his eyes on the Lord. And because he was able to do that, he was able to say, Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. And I pray you can do the same. I pray I would do the same uh, in everyday life and our everyday walk with the Lord. Observation number three. Learn to wait upon the Lord. Now I know this is hard. <clears throat> learn to wait on the Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm a busybody. If I should wait, I'll show you hand, whatever. I, we're all guilty probably. Who in here has a hard time waiting on the Lord? My hands first went up. I have a hard time waiting on the Lord, right? Like, Lord, if you just come on, man.
1: Write a letter, email,
0: text me, whatever they're going to do. Facebook me, whatever, I'll find it, I'll see it. It's hard to wait on the Lord. But Jeremiah says in verses 25 and 26, the Lord, listen, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. I want a lot of people to be good to me.
1: But I desperately want
0: the Lord to be good to me. I desire that. I love that. And the Lord has been good to me. And I love when the scriptures remind us the Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the person who seeks Him. Notice, in our waiting, we don't just sit and do nothing, but we seek Him. Our waiting is not just idle time. The Bible speaks against idle time. But in our waiting, what do we do? We seek Him. We seek the Lord. We fix our eyes on Him. It is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. Waiting is hard to do, but Jeremiah is teaching us in the midst of life and world and God's faithfulness. Learn to wait upon the Lord. It's difficult to do that. Why? Because our fallen nature craves activity. We crave activity. We are uh, a checklist society. Check off, check, 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 check. I got to get all things, all of these things done so that I'm successful today. Sometimes the most successful thing you can do in a day is to wait. Quietly on the Lord, and while you're waiting, you seek Him. You may not get the grass cut, you may not get the dishes, dishes washed, you may not vacuum, you may not get the clothes washed. Whatever you don't do anything. The most successful you think you did that day is that you waited on the Lord. In whatever situation you're going through, we crave activity. We feel like that we have to be doing something to aid or help in our situation. It's hard for some people, probably for most people to do. When we have a financial crisis, we have to feel like we've got to go get more work, more jobs, more of this, more of that, so we can fix the problem rather than seeking the Lord and waiting on Him. In relationships, we feel like we've got to do this, read that book, read that book, go there, go here, and do all of these things rather than waiting on the Lord and seeking Him. What we learn is He's the answer to every problem we have in life. God is. And instead of being busy trying to fix everything and trying to be a fixer, we ought to just trust in the faithfulness of God. Wait upon the Lord. I know it's hard to do. I myself have had times in my life where I didn't wait. And when you don't wait on the Lord, we either make matters worse. You ever been there? Make matters worse. Stick your little nose in that little business you shouldn't have. Make matters worse between relationships or job, whatever the case You either make matters worse, or we accomplish things, and and at the end of the day, we give ourselves the glory. And instead of saying, for great things you have done, we sing, for great things I have done. We give ourselves the glory. Look what I did. I made that work. There was a financial crisis in my life, and I went out, and I worked, and worked, and worked, and I fixed it all. And instead of giving God the glory for great things you have done, we say great things I have to do. Look at me. It's not saying that we should just sit and do nothing. The Bible speaks against that. But sometimes there are things uh, we're praying for and longing for that only God can do. Listen, there are things in your life, you need to know this. There are things in your life, there are situations that are going to arise, listen to me, that only God can fix. That only He can do. I'm reminded of Abraham and Isaac. And Abraham is going up the mountain. God told Abraham to take his son Isaac. He would provide a sacrifice. Uh, the whole time, and they Isaac, they're going up this mountain. And you can understand Isaac, he's carrying the wood for the altar he would be put on. And you can understand them going up. And man, Isaac just thinks he's going to have a campfire with dad. We're going to go there the campfire for a little while. I was going to be with my dad. And they go up the mountain, and, and, and uh, Abraham is walking up with Isaac, carrying the wood, and got the knife, he's got everything except for a sacrifice. And I'm going to preach on this a little bit later in a couple of weeks. But I, I just think about Isaac asking the question to Abraham. And he, he, he's understanding what you have to have to make a sacrifice. You have to have something to sacrifice. And Isaac's got the wood over there, and we're just walking our way up this mountain. And Isaac turns to looks at his dad and says, Hey, I've got a question for you. But we got the wood, we got the knife, we got all that. But where's the sacrifice? I don't know if Isaac ever thought it would be him. I don't know. And Abraham says something that I've never forgotten. Abraham looks at his son and he says, buddy, this is, God's going to have to do this one he says, God will provide the sacrifice. God's going to have to do this. Again. Listen, there are things in your life that you are faced with or you will be faced with <coughs> that you cannot do and that only God can do. And only God can handle. You. And so it is in those times that you, you wait on him. You can understand Abraham and Isaac, man, up there he has tied his son on an altar and he's got a knife about to slay his own son. Now, you know, a son, we think of a little boy about 10 or 11. No, Isaac was probably between 32 and 33 years old. He was a grown man. You can understand this tense moment. That Abraham was faithful, man. He knew God would be faithful. He knew either God was going to provide or he would raise my son from the dead. You know why? Because Abraham knew the words of the Lord. He knew God said through Isaac... I will bless the nations. There will be countless of thousands upon thousands of people through Isaac. So Abraham knew God's going to provide. He said he would. And he's going to be faithful. Listen, sometimes in your life, you just need to sit quietly and wait on the Lord. I find it intriguing that Jeremiah said, sit quietly. I think it's God's way of telling you and maybe if you'll sit down and shut up, I can work in your life. But if you don't want me to, you just go ahead and mess all this up and I'll come behind you. I think if I wrote it, Jeremiah did a much better job than I did. If I wrote it, I'd probably say that. God will shut up. God will work this thing out. You just trust in him. Have faith in him. He's faithful. He always has been. Don't you remember that time? Don't you remember last week? Don't you remember last year? Don't you remember that point? At that point in your life, that God is faithful. Sit quiet. That means you don't Yell out all of your issues and your problems. You just trust in Him. Jeremiah waited on the Lord. Trusted in His mercy. He depended on His faithfulness. I think it's because Jeremiah knew the truth of the scriptures of Isaiah 40. Verses 29-31. It says, He gives strength to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Youths may come. May become faint and weary. And young men stumble and fall. But. But. Those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not faint. My translation, you may get whooped and tired, but you will not perish. You will not faint. Why? Because He's faithful. The Lord is faithful. And He will always be faithful. Amen? He will always be faithful. And may we trust in the faithfulness of God. So, you're in this room, and life's been rough. It's been hard, or you've gone through those seasons. And you look back in your life, and you can see the hand of God working and moving. You couldn't provide that, but God made a way. You couldn't do that, but God made a way. This relationship was torn, but God came in and fixed it. You couldn't pay that bill, but God made a way because you trusted in Him. In all the times in your life, God was faithful. But we come before him, bow down in our presence on an altar, but lifting our eyes to him and say thank you. Thank you for great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Your compassions may fail. You may be in the room, and unlike Jeremiah, You, yes, you're going through life and it's hard, and you're doing life your own way, and it's become a mess. But yet you don't have a God to call out to what I know is the same God that was faithful to Jeremiah is the same God to be faithful to you. He is unchanging. And He's ever-present even today. Now, if you'll trust in Him and put your life and just turn over all that to Him and say, God, I can't do this anymore. I'm just going to turn this over to you. Whatever it may be in your life, I know God will be faithful to you. So, preacher, how do I do that? Well, listen, if God's faithful in every area of our lives, he's also faithful in salvation. That if you will confess your sins to him, and believe in the heart of the Lord Jesus, if you surrender to him, he is faithful to save. He is faithful to save. I pray you'll do that this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We're thankful for our time together. We thank you for the scriptures. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness, for they are amazing. Lord, there's people in this room that, Lord, they have gone through what they would call hell on earth. But Lord, they look back, or even if they're in that moment right now, they look and they see your faithfulness. God, I pray that we'll be a people that will always, always be able to recognize your faithfulness and know that it was nothing I've done that only through the God of God's faithfulness. Lord, thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. Lord, there are hundreds, thousands of testimonies in this room of your faithfulness. Lord, I pray that as we come and pray in just a moment, as we bow before you at an altar, Lord, we will fix our eyes on you. And God, all across this room, we will not look at us, our own faults, but God will fix our eyes on you and we'll trust in your faithfulness. And, Lord, I pray if there's any persons in this room that, Lord, have not trusted in you, ever. That, God, you are calling them today. That you are calling them to repentance. That you are calling them to trust in you. You are calling them to turn from their life and, and put their hope and trust in you. And I know they can because you're worthy of that. So listen, if that's you, I'm down front, Pastor Matt's down front, man, we'd love to talk with you. We'd love to pray with you. But you don't have to come here. You can do that right where you are. Say, Lord, I I repent of my sins. I going to trust in you. Lord, I pray that you'll come into my life and transform my mind and my heart. Lord, I want to live for you. I want to obey you. Lord, forgive me of my sins and all of my wrongs. Father, save me today. I believe in Jesus. I believe what he's done for me. Save me today, Lord Jesus. I pray that if you pray that, God save me. Right Robert are. The Bible says all of heaven rejoices, and we love to join you. As we sing, we love for you to come down front, and we love to rejoice with you. But whatever the case may be, whatever God's leading you to do, the Holy Spirit may lead you to come pray. We pray that you'll be obedient today. Father, have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. We stand and sing.